Come on. Okay, we're going to be spending the next six weeks talking through prayer. And I don't know if you've ever heard of prayer before. I'm assuming you have, right? Webster's Dictionary. Prayer is an address to God or a God in word or thought. Prayer is not an unfamiliar concept to us. It's actually, it's a global phenomenon. This isn't just something that happens in the United States, and it's not just something that Christians do, and it's not just something that we've been doing since the year 2000, right? This is transcending centuries and cultures and languages. If you were to visit an indigenous people group off the coast of India and spend time around them, you would find out that they pray. (laughs) And if you were to go to Japan and hang around Buddhists, you would find out they pray. And if you were to go to Algeria and spend time around Muslims, you would find out they pray, right? Prayer is this thing that it is the essence of what it means to believe. Everybody prays. Almost everybody prays. There's actually even a study that says there are people that are even deliberately non-religious that report praying, okay? So if maybe that's you in this room. I know that just because you're here doesn't mean you believe in Jesus. Maybe you're just here checking this thing out. 30% of atheists admit praying sometimes. 30%, one in every three atheists who say, I don't believe in a God, would say that they pray. 17% of religious nuns, not N-U-N, N-O-N-E-S, meaning I don't affiliate with a religion, 17% say that they pray regularly. Not just sometimes, but regularly. That's almost one in five. And of the people that aren't praying, I can about guarantee you when tragedy strikes, whether it be a world event or an impending election that they don't want to happen, what are they saying? Pray, right? Will you pray for me? Will you pray for my family? Pray for our country. We know that prayer is almost innate to being human. With that being said, it's important to know that not all prayer is equal. Not all prayer is the same. And with that, it's possible to even get prayer wrong. It's possible to get prayer wrong. I don't know if you knew that or not, but we're about to find out tonight that it's possible to get prayer wrong. And if you are anything like me, an ordinary person who doesn't have life altogether, you have gotten prayer wrong. So as we dig in tonight, we're answering a pretty simple question. How do we pray right Right? How do we pray right? What, how do we pray the way that God wants us to, the God of the Bible? How do we pray the way he wants us to? How do we pray in a way that is honoring to God? So if you have a Bible, a Bible app, whatever you're using, uh, Matthew 6 is where we're going to be. Matthew 6. It is in the New Testament. So if you split your Bible in half, flip a little bit to the right, you're going to run into the book of Matthew. Here's what's going on. Jesus is at the height of his popularity. Crowds are swarming around him. They keep following this man who is living this seemingly perfect life. He's performing miracles and people are drawn to him. And he sees these crowds of followers and he says, okay, these people need teaching. So he goes to what they would say in the Bible is a mountainside. For us, it's more of like a hillside. It's really not a mountain. 
don't get caught up in that. He goes and sits on the side of a hill and he says, I'm going to teach the crowds. And here's what I'm going to teach them. How do I live a life that is dedicated to and pleasing to God? It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the most profound sermons that Jesus ever taught. And it spans several chapters. We believe that it was actually taught over the course of several days. Praise God. I'm not going to preach for several days tonight. We're going to try and keep it at 30 minutes for your sake and mine. But over the course of several days, Jesus is saying, how do I live a life that is dedicated to and pleasing to God? And so we bring that down the level and say, okay, prayer. How do I pray in such a way that is dedicated to and pleasing to God? We tracking? Okay. You guys seem sleepy. We can have fun. If I say something that makes sense, you can say, oh, or amen, or that's good. And if I say something that stinks, you can throw a tomato at me, all right? I can, I can make it happen, all right? Okay, we're looking at tonight, Matthew 6, we're going to be in verse 5, and we're actually going to see three mistakes that we make in prayer. Okay, Matthew 6, verse 5, and when you pray, we're going to stop, and when you pray, when you pray, okay? The Bible does not say if you pray. It says when you pray. Mistake number one that we make in prayer, we don't pray. We don't pray. And the issue with this is that prayer is the way that we treat God as God. To come to God in prayer is to say, I am not God and you are. And so if we want to pray, if we want to be people that are honoring to God, part of that is recognizing who we are and who he is. So to fail to pray is to not treat God as God and to take matters into our own hands. And you might say, what's the big deal? Why does this matter? Well, I'll tell you what matters specifically for you and for me as a part of the millennial and Gen Z generations, we are plagued and crippled by being the most anxious, stressed, overwhelmed, and depressed generations in the history of the world. We have ridiculously high rates of anxiety and depression and suicide. And I'm pleading with you, I'm presenting to you that Part of this challenge is that we are trying to be God. We're trying to fulfill a role that we were not designed to fulfill. There's actually a quote in a book called The Praying Life. It says, the root of anxiety, and not clinical anxiety, the root of anxious thought is trying to know what you can't know or control what you can't control. Anybody ever experienced that before? Yeah, I have. I experience it frequently. I'm trying to know something I can't know. Guess what? I serve a God that is all-knowing. I don't even know what fast food restaurant I'm going to eat at after this, right? Like, let alone know what's going to happen with my family or my health or my future. Why do I try to be all-knowing when God is all-knowing? I serve a God that's all-powerful. I can't even change a car battery, let alone change a heart or change a life right? 
So why do I try to take matters into my own hands and have power over something that I can't even control? I am not all-powerful. God is. You are not. God is. And I am not ever-present. I serve a God that is. Right now, I am confined to Veritas Church, Cedar Rapids, on a stage in front of a music stand. So if there is a need on the other side of the world that I'm concerned about, what can I do about it? Nothing. I can do nothing. But I serve a God that can't because he's everywhere. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's ever-present. Is that not enough of a reason for us to say, man, maybe I should start praying because I am none of those things. And so if there's people I care about that I can't change, if there's anxieties in my heart that I can't figure out, if there's something you see going on that is on the other side of the world, maybe even just in a different city or state that you can't access, man, shouldn't we just pray? (laughs) Because we have a God that is all-knowing, all-powerful, and ever-present. I think a reason that most of us would say, I don't pray, is because we're busy. I hear that pretty frequently. Like, man, I'm too busy to pray. And I would actually present to you that you are too busy not to pray. You are too busy not to pray. You have so much going on in your schedule. You have so much going on in your mind and in your heart. It's a part of this social media age where you have a village-sized heart and you're looking at a world-sized problem. You have too much going on in your life to not pray. Our issue is not a busyness problem. It's a self-sufficiency problem. Our prayerlessness is to say, God, I don't need you. I got this figured out. I don't need you. I can do this. Mistake number one, we don't pray. How do we correct this? Anybody? Pray. Simple. To begin to pray. To begin to talk to God about the things that you don't know, the things you can't control, the things that you care about, to talk to him, to say, God, I need help with homework. God, I'm overwhelmed with my job. Would you help to slow down and steady your heart and just get before God and say, God, I need your help? Pretty simple. Talk to God and begin to watch him work. All right, we made it through four words. Let's keep tracking. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who is in secret will reward you. Mistake number two. Pray, we pray to be seen and heard by other people. We pray to be seen and heard by other people. You see this word hypocrites used? What actually is going on, that word is talking about Greek actors who would be involved in plays. And what they would do is they would play a variety of different roles. And so what would happen is They would wear a mask and be in one role, and then they would leave stage, and they'd come back on, and they'd have a different mask. 
wearing different masks, trying to be two people. These hypocrites. Jesus is not going after people that don't profess to follow Jesus. He's going after the religious elite. He's going after these Pharisees, these people that are supposed to be the leaders of religion. And he's saying, you guys are hypocrites. And the issue is not location, okay? The issue is not that they're praying in public, that they're praying on a street corner or in a synagogue. It's not location. The issue is motivation. Why are they praying? They are praying because their motivation is their reputation, okay? They are praying so that as people look at them, people say, wow, look how great they are. You see, to be a good Jew in their day and age was to be a prayer. And so they're like, wow, why not put myself on display, go out in public, and pray out loud so that other people think I'm great? You guys, we know what this is like. We know what it's like. Did you really eat a delicious meal if you didn't take a picture of it? It's a question. I don't know. Is it possible? Question mark. If you go to the gym and you don't send a Snapchat to someone, did the workout even count? I don't, I don't know if it did. I don't think you actually worked out. If you did your morning devotional and you didn't take a sweet picture next to a cup of coffee in your journal, did you really do your devotional? I don't know. Just, just asking. I don't know if you guys have done this. I'm not trying to call intentional shots on this. This is kind of a personal, personal shot at myself. Looking back three years ago, did you even fast from social media if you didn't first post that you're fasting from social media? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to call shots. I'm firing shots at myself. You guys, we've all been there. We care far too much about what other people think about us because we think that their perception actually matters. Okay? And what God is telling the religious elite, these people that are praying so that people would think highly of them, he says, you have your reward, okay? Congratulations. People think highly of you. That's it. That's the only reward you're getting. People think highly of you. Nothing is actually changing. You're not actually a good person, right? You might be tricking people because you're wearing a mask. Congrats. You're not actually a praying person. And you're not getting the reward of getting to see God move in and through your prayers because all that's happening is other people are hearing it. Here's what he tells us to do. He says, go in a room and pray privately. Here's your reward, that God would hear you. That it wouldn't be about your perception in front of other people, but a reality. That God would hear you. That your reward would be that God himself would tune his ear to your prayer and actually do something. That change would happen in your life in the world around you. That's your reward. You might be thinking, how do I know if this is true of me? And I think that there's a couple things that we can just run a test on to say, is this true in my life? Symptoms, this is true in your life. Number one, you pray more in public than you do in private. You pray more in public than you do in private. If that's true, you might 
be prone to say, I care more about human approval than I do God's approval. If I pray more out in public than I do in private. Another symptom, if you get super nervous when you're in a connection group and we start praying, okay? Another personal story. I had just come to know Jesus in 2013 and I went out to eat with a couple friends and here's what happened. Food comes out. They say, all right, Jordan, you're the man at the table. You pray. I was like about to crap my pants. I'm not joking. I was so scared. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never done this before. Terrified. Why? Because I cared so much about what I was going to say because I cared so much about what they were going to think. And so if you have ever been a part of a prayer circle and someone's like, all right, you want to pray or it's your turn to pray or you are anticipating your turn to pray and you can't even listen to other people because you're trying to think about what you're going to say, this is true of you, okay? You are far more concerned about what people think than praying to God. And the corrective mark that you need to make is this is not about other people. This is about God. This is between me and God, and I get to talk to him, and he will hear me. That's my reward, okay? Mistake number two, praying to be seen and heard by people. We're going to keep reading. Verse 7. And when you pray, again, I won't stop there. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Okay. Mistake number three, we pray with our lips, but not our heart. We pray with our lips, but not our heart. The word Gentiles, if you haven't heard that before, um, in this context is actually talking about non-believers, people that don't follow Jesus, pagan religions of this time. He was saying, you know how pagans pray? They just pray mindlessly and mechanically. They have this blubber. Like, it's literally just blabbering on and on and on, saying stuff over and over so that maybe by the length of their prayer or maybe by the mechanics of their prayer, they might be able to twist God's arm into answering them. The issue here is not praying consistently or persistently. We actually see Jesus promote that to say, man, if you're passionate about something, you'll keep asking. But the issue is praying mindlessly. These type of prayers are all words but no meaning, all lips but no heart. And I think there's two tests here too to say, how do I know if this is me? Number one, do you pray without thinking? Man, I think that this is true for many of us. We've prayed or we've been around church and heard other people pray so much that we just start saying stuff and we don't even think about what it means. One of the most tragic things in the history of the church is that the prayer that follows these verses has become this issue, the Lord's Prayer. I remember memorizing it as a second grader, right? I don't know if that's true of you. If you were raised in the church, it's probably true of you. If someone were to start saying the Lord's Prayer, you could probably finish it, and you could say amen. And if someone said, what'd you just pray? I don't know. <laughs> Do you pray without thinking? 
Do I say the same things over and over again without even considering what my words mean? Number two, am I more concerned about how I pray than what I pray? Am I more concerned about how I pray than what I pray? So you are, again, this boils back down to when you're trying to construct a prayer, you think that you have to say it right for God to answer it. It has to sound a certain way. It has to be structured a certain way. And maybe if I get it right, God will answer me. So our company, we do not pray routinely. We don't pray routinely in a way that we get to just persuade God. We pray in a way that is relational. We pray relationally. And we do this to enjoy God. Not to persuade God, but to enjoy God. In this passage, we see the word father used multiple times. And I don't claim to know what type of father you've had, okay? I'm going to just squash that right now and say, I know there are people in this room that have not had a good and loving father. But just because you didn't have a good and loving father here on earth does not mean you don't have a good and loving father in heaven, okay? Even the best earthly dads make a terrible blueprint for God, God as Father, he is our blueprint, and every earthly father, even the best ones, fall short. And so, here is the gospel. Here is the idea that we don't have to measure up and pray a certain way to work up to God, because God himself came down to us, okay? To think that you have to work your way up to God is very anti-Christianity, because the heartbeat of Christianity is that you can't get to God. And yes, you know deep down within you there is a separation. That's why we try to work hard. That's why we try to pray rigid prayers to appease God. Because we understand he is holy and I'm not. He is big and I am small. He is perfect, I'm jacked up. That's exactly why Jesus came to earth. Because you couldn't work your way to God. There's no way, even on your best day, you fall short. So Jesus says, I'm going to step down from heaven. I'm going to live perfectly. I'm going to meet the standard that God requires. And the penalty for sin is death. And so, Jordan, you deserve death. But rather than you dying, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to die in your place. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to cancel your death penalty. I'm going to take your death penalty. And I'm going to rise again as a sign of victory over sin, over death, over Satan. And I'm going to restore you back to the God that created you. That is good news, you guys. That is what we celebrate at Easter. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That we get to be restored to our Father in heaven. That is amazing news. And that's the heartbeat of prayer. To say, I have a loving father who, yes, he knows my needs and he wants to hear from me. That's amazing. You guys, we pray in the same reason that children talk to their parents. Looking at this text, it's easy to be like, well, if God already knows what we need, why do we have to ask him? Well, if you're asking that question, you're clearly not a parent, okay? Because I am a parent and I have two little boys. And here's what I love to do. When my kid is sitting at the table and he's eating, I want him to ask me for something to eat. And then I get to feed him. 
It's not that I'm withholding food from him. I'm going to feed him. But part of this building intimacy, this trust and dependence that God so longs for you is for you to ask and for him to give. That's just part of our nature. That we get to talk to God as his children. And here's what kids do with their parents, right? They share their concerns. They ask their questions. They come to them with their troubles. And, man, I didn't do this enough. My dad passed away in 2016, and I'm telling you I didn't do this enough. So shameless plug, call your parents. Enjoy conversation with your parents, because before you know it, they will be gone. And you get to enjoy relationship with your parents. That's part of prayer, too. We get to enjoy our relationship with God our Father. It's amazing news. How do we pray the way God wants us to? Number one, pray. Talk to God. Number two, pray to be seen and heard by God, not seen and heard by man. Number three, pray relationally to enjoy God, not routinely to persuade God. If you want to boil it down to one statement, one simple statement, here it is. How do we pray in a way that's honoring to God? That's what we're asking on the front end. God-honoring prayer is focused on God and from the heart. Okay? Focused on God and from the heart. It's not focused on what's going on out here. It's not focused on what other people are thinking of me. It's not focused on what other people think of my ability to prayer, my finesse. No, it's on God. And it's not just lip service. It's from the heart. I'm going to tell God what I'm actually feeling, what I'm actually wrestling with, what I'm actually going through. It's really simple. You guys, we overcomplicate prayer. I don't know when I said we can pray wrong what you had in your head, but it's really simple. Focus on God and pray from the heart. Focus on God and pray from the heart. Application. From this message, how do we take the Bible and say, God, I want to live this way. Man, I want to pray in such a way that is pleasing to you and dedicated to you. Number one, you have to turn from your self-sufficiency. And you guys, we all do it. If I were to say, how is your prayer life on a scale of one to 10? There is not a single 10 in this room. I trust that right now. We all can grow in our dependency upon God. So turn from your self-sufficiency. Say, God, I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. And I recognize that you are all powerful. You are all knowing. You are ever present and I'm not. And I want to see you work in my life. And from that place, begin to pray. Begin to pray. I've said it before. Pretty simple. Do you have cares or concerns in your life? Talk to him. Do you have questions or requests? Ask him. Do you have blessings in your life? Thank him. It's really simple. Just start talking to God. Application number two, pause before you pray. Pause before you pray. I want you to do this in your personal prayer life. I want you to do this in connection group. Anytime you get the opportunity to pray, stop and remember. Do the work of thinking, who is my audience? God. God is my audience. And he's a loving father who loves to give good gifts. He's not up there shaming me for my ability to pray the right thing. If any of you guys have ever heard a kid pray, it's so sweet and so simple. 
Dear Jesus, thanks for pizza. Pizza rocks. Amen. Let's freaking go. That's good news, right? Like, that's the heartbeat of prayer, to be focused on God and have childlike faith. Pause. Remember your audience. And lastly, I want to just give you guys a challenge, okay? Are you guys up for a challenge? I don't typically do this, but I was listening to a podcast this week that said, Generation Z is the most experience-based generation to ever walk the face of the planet, and they are the most quick to say, if I don't delight in something, I'm just not going to do it, okay? If I don't love it, I'm just not going to do it, and that's really, really dangerous. An example that I've used before is working out, okay? If you've never worked out before, you know, I probably should work out. Working out is healthy for me. It's good for my long-term future. Like, yes, working out is good. But if you don't love it right away, are you just going to stay in bed for the rest of your life and end up on 600-pound life? Like, come on. No. Like, you have to start somewhere. And sometimes you have to start with duty. This idea of, I know I should do it, it's good for me, so I'm just going to start doing it. And as you start to work out, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go through two weeks of complete soreness, and you're going to say, why am I still doing this? But you're going to keep showing up, and then you're going to say, oh my gosh, I actually start to feel better. I have more energy. I'm able to move. I'm stronger. You might look in the mirror and be like, dang, okay. Right? You'll, get, you'll get actually wrapped up in saying, I am seeing the benefit of this duty and you'll start to desire going to the gym. And then from there, as you start to see change in your life, you will love going to the gym. It will become a delight, okay? And I trust that if you would say, I'm gonna take on this challenge, I'm gonna just commit to duty for one week, and I'm gonna say, I'm just gonna do it because I know it's best for me. Not because God is like lording this over me as a command, but just to say, man, this is good for you. Okay, pray twice a day, twice a day. And here's how I want you to do it. In the morning, I want you to wake up and I want you to write out a prayer. Get a small journal and write out a prayer. Here's why. As you write your prayer, you have to actually think about what you're writing. Your words matter because you're activating your mind to put pen to paper. Write your prayer in the morning and then in the evening, speak your prayer. Speak your prayer at night, okay? Pray twice a day, write one in the morning and speak one at night. That will allow you to become more articulate and actually calculate, am I saying what I actually believe? Am I saying what's actually going on in my heart? Am I saying what I mean? Am I meaning what I say, right? If you're just trapped up in your head, it's hard to be articulate in prayer. Pen to paper and speak it out loud. Are we good on that? I'm in it with you. So if you see me here next Thursday, you better say, how to go, twice a week, right in the morning, speak it at night. We in this together? All right. If we do this, Salt Company, if we become a praying people, the vision is not that people would know us as a praying people, because again, it's not about our reputation. I don't care what people think about us. The vision is that we would actually be a praying people. Not that people would think much of us, but that we would actually do it. And that we would become delighted in prayer. That we would be free to pray. That if someone says, hey, who wants to pray for our connection group? You would be quick to say, I'll do it. This is awesome. I get to talk to God. 
He's turning his ear to me. This is amazing. And it doesn't have to be cute or clever or articulate, right? I get to talk to God, and he's going to turn my ear to me. I have one buddy from back home, went to Iowa State with him. His name's Ben Butcher. And this dude, if you ever get the chance to hear him pray, I promise you, you would walk away and you'd be like, that dude loves Jesus. And he has a lot of fun praying. When I hear him pray, he prays for me typically once a month, um, sometimes longer. We both have kids and wives, but um, pick up the phone, he prays for me. He's just having a conversation with God like he would a friend, like he would with me. It's so cool. And I listen to him pray. I'm like, man, I want to pray like Ben. But it doesn't just happen, right? That is formed through day after day, week after week, month after month of his private prayer life. Your public prayer life is an overflow of your private prayer life. So if you want to pray like Ben, if you want to have an authentic prayer life, it has to start in your private prayer life. And last but not least, I I just think through, you are in college, or at least college age, and the win is not that you would be a praying young adult, okay? The goal is not that you would pray really, really well from the ages of 18 to 22. The goal is that you would be a prayer for the rest of your life, that you would grow up and graduate and move beyond college, and you would become a praying coworker a praying boss, a praying parent, a praying spouse, that your life would be so characterized by prayer that, man, someday you get to be praying for the next generation of SALT students. And we have an awesome model for this. You guys probably don't even know it, and that's kind of the point. There's a guy who comes here every Thursday night. His name is Mr. T. How many of you have met Mr. T? Okay. I'm, I'm honestly really surprised Here's the thing about Mr. T. He's here every Thursday night, and you never, most of you don't even know it. That's the point. Because it's not about his reputation. It's about him praying. And he has a notebook that he has just been writing out prayer requests. And man, over the course of the last year, I think of so many students who have come to put their trust in Jesus. And Carrie is like, oh, yep, there's their name on my prayer request. Cross them off. That's legit. He's praying for you. And his prayers are being answered by a holy God who's tuning his ear to Mr. T's prayers. That's amazing. I hope and pray that that would be true of you someday. That you would become someone that is so caught up in praying for the church and praying for more people to come to know Jesus. That's not about people knowing your name. It's about people knowing his name and that you would get to see God's faithfulness through your feeble, weak prayer life, but your faithful attempt to just approach a holy God. So, man, I just want to take the opportunity to pray us out and pray that we would become that type of people. So pray with me. Yeah, Father, what a, what a privilege it is to get to call a holy God, Father. Jesus, thank you that you died in my place. When I could do nothing to work my way to God, you came down to me. You died for me. You restored me back into relationship with a loving Father.
Thank you for doing that for our students. God, thank you for the freedom we have to approach you, to ask you to bring our cares and concerns before you. God, that it's not about being seen and heard by other people, but being seen and heard by you. And that our reward is that we get to see you work as we just get before you and be dependent children. From this place, God, I pray that you would fuel our faithfulness this week as we look to become a praying people. That we would move from duty to delight as we taste and see that you are good. Would you do that? Spirit, we need you to do that. We can't do it alone. God, would you help us want you this week? Thank you that you loved us first, and from that place we get to respond to you. Help us respond and worship now. Pray in your name. Amen.